So there we go. Okay. Hey, welcome. Glad you're here. Um, so um, tonight we're going to be finishing up. Well, actually, we're not finishing up. Next week we finish up. So we're on the next to the last week on our series uh, at SC as it is in heaven. And um, that was a great song. I love that song. Do you guys like that song? Yeah, good song, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Worship team does a great job. You know, do you ever know, Did you, you probably didn't know this. Fun facts, fun facts for you. In case, for those of you who are thinking, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to learn Hebrew one of these days. Okay, let me give you a fun fact. Here's the thing. They don't have like ERs and ESTs in uh, Hebrew, okay? So it's not like, you know, uh, you know, this, better, best. They don't have that. What they do when they want to emphasize something in Hebrew is they repeat it. So like if you're smart, they'll say, Smart, smart, that means you're smarter. Now, if you're the smartest, what do you think they say? Smart, smart, smart. What do you think they say about God when they're talking about him? Holy, 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 the holiest. It's not like, boy, there's somebody else that maybe, no, holy, holy, holy. You know, he is, he is at the top, nobody else comes close, nobody else. So we're going to be wrapping up this series next week. This week, what we want to do is this. As we've been looking at this series, we've tried to get our minds wrapped around a little bit. What would it look like for more of God's rule and reign to really take place within our hearts and lives right here, right now, at SC, so that that's lived out in a practical way? And what we're going to find tonight is, you know, God is writing a story much bigger than any story we'd ever planned. And he invites us to be a part of that. So we're going to again to hear a little bit of his heart tonight. And the traveling team's with us. If you don't know about the traveling team, I encourage you. You need to know more about them. You need to find out. You may even be part of the traveling team one of these days. But you need to figure out about this because these guys travel all over the U.S. There, there's team, This isn't like the only team. There's teams here. There's teams all over the place. But they come in and they help people to get a bigger perspective on, on who God is and what he's about in the world and how we can join him. So... Welcome with me, Lauren. She's going to come in and kick us off. Lauren. Hey, guys. I'm really excited to be here. My name is Lauren, just like Neil said, and I'm here with my teammates, Seth, Tamara, and Kelly. They're in the back. They'll give you a warm wave. <laughs> and uh, we're just, just like Neil said, we're the traveling team. Our name says a lot. Um, we packed up our, ba- our lives into one bag each and jumped in a minivan after we graduated college. And we travel around from campus to campus ministry, just like you guys, talking about God's heart for the world. And so um, tonight, we're excited to bring that message to you that has impacted thousands of other students, that's impacted my life and my teammates' lives. And uh, I just want to give you a picture of what the night's going to look like. So the, we're going to have two parts. The first part is going to be given to you by my my awesome teammate, Seth. And then the second part is going to be given by my other teammates, um, Callie and Tamara. And the first part is going to be Genesis to Revelation. We're going to walk all the way through and see what God's heart is for throughout the entire Bible. So we'll be here for about three hours. It's going to be great. Ah, I got you. I got you. No, it's going to be 20 minutes. It's going to be really fast. Um, And so guys, engage, lean into this because it's going to roll by really quick. And then the second part is going to be with Callie and Tamara, like I said. It's going to be a practical, how do we apply what we learned in the first part with Seth? So um, please welcome up Seth. For four years before I worked for the traveling team, I worked for Delta Airlines. And I worked for Delta Airlines for one reason and one reason only. And that was free flights. Free flights. This took me all over the world. I've been to New Zealand, Vietnam, Thailand, China, all over Europe because of my job with Delta. I loved it. It was amazing. But there's a catch. And the catch is that you only get on the plane if there's an empty seat. 
And this is called flying standby. So as you can imagine, most of the time it's amazing. I, I went to New Zealand, I've been all over Europe. But every once in a while you can find yourself in a pretty crappy situation. So this past summer, my family and I decided to go to Germany and I found myself in the worst situation that I've been in. Uh, so we, we went to Germany, it was awesome. I ate all the sausage in the whole country. Uh, I climbed through the Alps and I swam in the most beautiful lakes that I'd ever seen. It was amazing, I loved it. And the night before we were getting ready to come back, I checked the web website to see how many empty seats there were. And there were 15 empty seats. So there's 15 empty seats, there's four of us. I don't know if you're good at math, but I'm getting on this plane. And not only am I getting on this plane, but I'm flying first class. Have any of you ever flown first class internationally? It is incredible, right? Like your seat lays all the way down. You, are, you get weighted on hand and foot, and they let you use real silverware. It's amazing. I love it. So I go to bed like stoked, stoked for a 10-hour flight. Have you guys ever been stoked for a 10-hour flight? No, right? Yeah. So I'm stoked. I go to bed, wake up the next morning, check the website again, and there's only 10 open seats. So five people decided to, to buy a ticket from Germany to America in the middle of the night. I don't know who does that. Um, so I'm starting to get a little bit nervous. Maybe I won't end up in first class. But if you're good at math, I'm going to end up on this plane. Uh, a little bit later, we get to the airport, talk to the ticket agent, and she tells me that there's only seven seats left. So I'm getting nervous, right? Like, I just want to get on this plane. Just get me back to America. And as I go through the security, I'm, I'm loading my phone, like seven seats, six seats, five seats. And as we leave security, it goes down to four. And I'm like, man, just put me on this plane. Put me next to the toilet. Put me on the toilet. I don't care. Get me back to America. And as we get to the gate, the gate agent hands a ticket to my mom, my dad, and my brother, and not me. Yep. And to add insult to injury, they flew first class. Yeah, yeah. So as I'm watching my family walk down the jet bridge, my mom is bawling her eyes out because she's leaving her favorite son in a foreign country. And I'm thinking about how terrible this standby thing is and how much I hate it. But, you know, I have to figure out how to get back to America. And every flight out of Munich for the next, like, three days was oversold. So to make a really long story really, really short, uh, five trains, four countries, three planes, two hours of sleep, and one Uber later, and I'm finally home. I'm finally home, laying in my bed, thinking about how terrible the standby thing is. Guys, so many of us are living a standby Christianity. We're just flying by the seat of our pants from major to major, job to job, girlfriend to girlfriend, boyfriend to boyfriend, without any uh, purpose, without any plan. But guys, I had something very important in my favor in that story. That's that I, I knew my destination. I knew that no matter what, I was getting back to normal Illinois. That's the name of my hometown, hometown normal Illinois. <laughs> I'm getting back there no matter what. And it took five countries, four planes, whatever it was I said. That's how long it took. Uh, and it was crazy, right? Um, but uh, in life, when you don't know your destination, uh, you can't know where to live. You can't know how to use your degree. But most importantly, you can't know how to glorify God with your life. Um, because the standby Christian, they just, uh, they, they hope things fall into place. They don't have a purpose and they don't have a plan. But fortunately, God does have a purpose. He does have a plan and he has a destination. And he shows us that destination in the Bible. So that's what we're looking at today. We're, we're going to go Genesis to Revelation in about 20 minutes. Um, so let's start in the beginning. In the beginning, uh, God creates humanity uh, and he gives Adam and Eve, the very first command that he had ever given. So in, in chapter 1, verse 28 of Genesis, he tells Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Oh, didn't mean to go that far. Be fruitful and multiply. Sorry, I noticed you were all looking up there. Uh, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. 
Uh, and guys, a few chapters after that, sin and death enters the world. Things get super messy. And a few chapters later, uh, God decides to flood the earth and start over with a man named Noah. And as Noah is leaving the ark, God gives him the same command that he gave Adam and Eve. He says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And just a few chapters after Noah, in Genesis 11, we see that humanity has done one of these things really well. Humanity has been fruitful and multiplied, but they have not filled the earth. And in fact, they did the opposite. They've gathered together, and they gathered together to make their name known, to build this tower, the Tower of Babel, to heaven, to make their name great. Uh, But that's not what God's about. God is about his name being made known. He's about his name being great. Uh, So he goes down, and he scatters humanity throughout the nations. And as Genesis 11 ends, we have a huge, huge problem. Because we have a world full of sinful people not worshiping God. We have a world full of sinful people not worshiping God. But as we flip the page to Genesis 12, we see the beginning of his plan to fix that problem. We meet this man named Abraham. And guys, Genesis 12, 1 through 3, is the most foundational passage in all of Scripture. So if you have ever struggled to understand the Old Testament, if you've ever struggled to understand the whole Bible, this passage will unlock everything. So let's look, at, let's look at this man named Abraham. God tells Abram, go from your country and your family and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. So God says, Abraham, I'm going to make you super famous. Everyone's going to know who you are. In 4,000 years, everyone's going to be talking about you. Guess what? We're still talking about him. Uh, I'm going to make you famous and I'm going to bless you. But guys, that blessing wasn't meant to stop with Abraham. And God goes on to tell us what he's supposed to do with that blessing. I will bless you. Uh, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all nations on earth will be blessed. So he tells him, I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing. Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing. And through you, I'm going to bless all the nations on earth. So guys, from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Joseph to Joshua to David to the prophets to to Jesus, the early church, and then finally to us, this is God's purpose. And this is his plan. Uh, to bless all the nations on earth. And as we follow the Israelites, that's Abraham's offspring. As we follow them throughout the Old Testament, we see God doing this. And and as Genesis ends and Exodus opens, uh, we see that the Israelites are enslaved in Egypt. And we meet this, this man named Pharaoh. And God says this to Pharaoh. But for this purpose I have raised you up, to show you my power, so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. So God tells the most powerful man on earth, I'm going to tear you down. I made you what you are. I'm going to tear you down. I'm going to bring the ten plagues. I'm going to lead my people out of Egypt, and everyone's going to be talking about me. My name will be proclaimed among the earth. And that's what we see happen, right? The the ten plagues happen. Uh, He parts the Red Sea, leads the Israelites out of Egypt. And as they're moving through this area of the world uh, after Exodus, uh, we we meet people that, that are saying, oh, yeah, I've heard of your God. He parted the Red Sea. He brought the ten plagues. We meet this woman named Rahab. She says that, and then she says, your God is awesome. He is great. God is using this miracle to make his name known among the earth. And we're still talking about it today. It's, it's true of the story of David and Goliath as well. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I was taught this story as a young kid. And uh, probably everyone on your campus, whether they're a Christian or not, at least knows the name David and Goliath, Right? Because uh, that's what every sports movie is about, right? David and Goliath, the small guy beats the big guy. Um, And I was taught this story as, Seth, you're David, and with God on your side, you can do anything. You can defeat any giant that comes your way. You can uh, overcome any obstacle because you have God on your side. 
And that's true. With God on our side, we can do anything. But that's not the point of this story. And David knew it wasn't the point of this story. He knew that he was defeating Goliath for a different purpose. And he goes on to tell us what that purpose is. He says, this day the Lord will deliver you, Goliath, into my hand. So that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. David knew that he was going to defeat the greatest warrior on the planet. But it wasn't his own strength. It was through God. And through that miracle, he was going to make his name known among the earth. And guys, this is true, again, of the whole Old Testament. As we move to the book of Psalms, which David uh, wrote most of, actually, uh, we, we see this psalm. Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. We love this verse, right? This verse is awesome. It makes us feel nice and warm and fuzzy inside. We have it plastered all over our churches. Uh, maybe you have a journal with it on the front. Anyone? Journal, be still. Anyone have the, the tattoo? Be still tattoo. Oh, yeah, that's what's up. Love it. Okay. You're the second person this semester. That's amazing. Um, love it. So uh, we love this verse, right? And we should. It should make us feel good. We should be still uh, and know that he is God. Have any of you guys ever noticed the little A in the reference? Have you guys noticed that? I had to do some pretty extensive research to figure out why they put that A there. And basically what I figured out was they put the A in the reference because there's a second half of the verse. There's a part B. Did you guys know that? We just cut it off. Um, we, we just cut off the second half of this verse. It says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Guys, we've become so good at taking the part of the verse that makes us feel nice and warm and fuzzy inside. And it should. But we cut off the part about God, about God making his name known among the nations. That's standby Christianity at its finest. Just taking what makes us feel good and forgetting about God. Forgetting about God's name being made known in the earth. When I was seven years old, I visited the most magical place on earth. No, not Disneyland. Disney World in Orlando, Florida. <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, I, I flew through outer space on a rocket. Uh, I rode down a waterfall in a log. And I met my hero, Buzz Lightyear. It was amazing. And it, uh, to cap off the night, I saw the most amazing fireworks display that I had ever seen. It was amazing. It was so magical that 15 years later, I decided to apply for an internship at, the, at Disney World. And I got it. And as part of the training, you go on a, a tour of the Magic Kingdom. And I don't know how many of you know this, but underneath Magic Kingdom, there's an entire world of tunnels that run the park. It runs everything in the parks uh, so that you don't see all the weird stuff. So we're going on this tour. It's amazing. I love it. I'm seeing all the behind-the-scenes stuff. And then it happens. The character break room. And I walk in, and I see my hero, Buzz Lightyear, smoking a cigarette. <laughs> and then I look to my right, and I see Pluto making out with Cinderella. And guys, my world was shattered. My world was shattered. I will never be able to unsee that. I will never be able to unsee Buzz Lightyear smoking a cigarette. Every time I watch Toy Story from now on, Buzz Lightyear smoking a cigarette. It's crazy. In the same way, guys, I hope that when you see Psalm 4610a, that you'll be reminded that there's a part B. That you'll see, be still and know that I am God. I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. You cannot unsee that. And I hope that as you read the Old Testament, you see God's heart for the nations. Because you can't not see it. It's everywhere. Uh, and as you move into the New Testament, same thing. You see God's purpose and his plan to save people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. I pray that you cannot unsee that tonight. And as we move into the prophets, it gets even louder, guys. Isaiah 49.6 says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. It's too small of a thing for me just to save the Jewish people, for me just to save the Israelites. It's too small. I thought that's what the whole Old Testament was about. It was just about the Jews, about God saving the Israelites. 
No, it's too small of a thing. In fact, I'm going to use you, Jesus, as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Guys, this was the plan all along, that salvation would go to the ends of the earth. It was not plan B. It was the plan from the beginning, from Genesis 12 on. It was his plan, uh, probably even before that, to save people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Guys, you cannot unsee this. And as we continue through the prophets, it's everywhere. Habakkuk 2.14, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. You can't unsee it. Zephaniah 2.11, The Lord will be awesome to them when he destroys all the gods of the land. The nations on every shore will worship him, every one in its own land. You can't unsee it. It's everywhere. Malachi 1.11, For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. You can't unsee it. And as the Old Testament ends, it is screaming, I have a heart for the nations. From the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. From, from, <laughs> uh, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It's everywhere and we cannot unsee it. And as we flip the page, as we move to the New Testament, that purpose, that plan, it doesn't change. And in fact, it becomes a lot more clear how that salvation is going to go to the ends of the earth when we meet Jesus. So let's look at the most famous verse in all of Scripture, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Guys, I don't know about you, but if you, if you grew up as a believer, some of you probably did, some of you probably didn't. I feel like for so long I took that word world out of that verse and put my own name in there. And when I would share with someone, I'd put their name in there. For God so loved Seth that he gave his only Son. And that's true. Guys, God loves each and every one of us, and we all have to choose to repent and turn from our sins. Jesus solved that problem that started in Genesis 3. He solves the problem in Genesis 11 as well. Uh, and guys, he, he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for your sins, and he rose from the dead. So if you're not a believer right now, hear that tonight. Hear that Jesus died for your sins, and that if you repent and turn, you can be with him forever. But guys, at some point, we have to plug that word world back in there. Because for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Guys, if you've chosen to believe that, you have become an offspring of Abraham. And we, we see that in Galatians 3. Galatians 3, 7 through 8 says, Understand that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. Guys, if you have chosen to follow Jesus, you have become an offspring of Abraham. And that salvation that has come to the earth through the perfect life death and resurrection of Jesus, now goes out to the planet through us, through Abraham's offspring, through followers of Jesus. And Jesus gives us this command, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. I want to stop for a second. All authority, all authority in heaven and on earth is all of the authority in the universe. Jesus claims that, and then what he is about to say is very, very important. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Guys, Hudson Taylor uh, said that the Great Commission is not just something to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed. But some of you, maybe, maybe you can find a way to wiggle yourself out of this. I don't know. Uh, fortunately, we're given this command in different ways three more times in the Gospels and then again in the book of Acts. Mark 16, 15 says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. 
Luke 24, 47, forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And Acts 1, 8, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Guys, I want to point out something about these verses. Notice that it doesn't say you'll be my witnesses if you don't get that internship next summer. Or you'll be my witnesses as long as your parents are okay with it. Or you'll be my witnesses if your boyfriend and girlfriend, or girlfriend, you shouldn't have both. You should have one or the other. Uh, if, if your boyfriend or girlfriend uh, want to be involved. That's not what it's saying. It says you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. But when we ignore this, when we choose standby Christianity, the world ends up looking something like this. This box is known as the 1040 window. It reaches from 10 degrees north latitude to 40 degrees north latitude. It's West Africa all the way out to East Asia. And inside this box lives 5 billion people. 5 billion people. Of those 5 billion, 3 billion are considered unreached. But what do I mean when I say unreached? Uh, it, it means they're, they're not just unsaved. There's plenty of unsaved people in Southern California. All over America, there are unsaved people. But the difference is these people don't have access to the gospel. Because they might not have the Bible in their language. They don't have a church on every corner. And they definitely don't know a Christian. So to put that into perspective, if every single Christian in the world shared the gospel with every single person that they knew, there would still be 3 billion people in this box that didn't even have a chance to respond to the greatest news that any of us have ever heard. That Jesus died for their sins, that they can spend eternity with him forever. No chance. That's 97% of the world's unreached people in that box. I have a friend, his name is Brooks Buser. Uh, Brooks spent 11 years translating the Bible and planning a church among the Yambi Yambi people in Papua New Guinea. Uh, and as he was doing this, he began to receive letters uh, from a different tribe, the Gotmambu people, uh, were sending him letters and they were asking for a missionary. They were asking for someone to bring them this God talk because they were seeing how it was changing the other tribes around them. And he began to receive so many letters that he couldn't ignore it anymore. He had to go see what this tribe wanted, what, what we could do uh, to play a part in, in sending them a missionary. And they go, and he takes an elder with him who's also a believer from the Yambi Yambi people. Uh, and when they get close to this tribe, it's about 100 miles away. When they get close, they start to hear trump, drums beating. And the elder from the Yambi Yambi people looks at Brooks, and he says, wait, they think you're their missionary. They think you're bringing them the gospel. And Brooks is like, I, I'm not. And they, they get there, and they explain that. And the, the elder from the Goat Mambu people invites them into his tent into his hut, and he sits him down uh, next to two of, his, two of his wives with no teeth, white hair, uh, and um, he says to Brooks, Brooks, I know you're not our missionary, but how long until we get one? And it goes to the translators, gets to Brooks, Brooks, knowing that there is no one in the pipeline, no one planning, no one targeting this people group, says, it's going to be a long time. It's going to be a long time. Goes to the translators, gets to the elder of the Godmambu people, and he looks visibly angry. And he says again, Brooks, how many moons? How many moons until we get our missionary? I want to know exactly how long. Goes through the, the translators, gets to Brooks, and knowing again that there's no one targeting them, says, so many moons. So many moons. Goes back to the translators, gets to the elder. He stands up, looks even angrier, and he says, Brooks, tell me exactly how many moons. How many moons till we get our missionary? goes to the translators. This time it stops with the elder of the Yambi Yambi people, who's a believer, and he says, Brooks, I'll take care of this. He stands up and he says, when every single person in this hut with white hair dies, then you'll get your missionary. 
because there is no one targeting you. There is no one planning on coming here to bring you this God talk. No one. Guys, so many more of us need to choose to go to this area of the world. Not everyone is begging for the gospel. In fact, most people aren't. But Jesus deserves their worship. He deserves their worship. And guys, Paul gives us a pretty good blueprint for how we can reach this area of the world. In Romans, he says, uh, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? So in case I lost you, we're going to boil this passage down to two words. Two words. And those words are go and send. And guys, I believe that as believers, every single one of us are called to one of these two things. So as we go through these, be thinking about that. What am I called to? Uh, And I believe that we can go in two ways. We can go uh, here and we can go there. How does that make sense? How can I go here at USC? Well, there are tons of international students on your campus. Guys, there are over one million international students in America, and these, most of them are from the 1040 window. And in fact, these countries are sending uh, their smartest and their richest people here to study. They're going to go home, they're going to be the future businessmen, the future businesswomen, the future politicians, and they're going to have an impact on their country. But right now, they're sitting next to you in class. Right now, they're, they're on your dorm floor. Right now, you can freely share the gospel with them. Can you imagine if one of them came to know Jesus here, went back to their unreached people group, shared the gospel with their family and their friends, and then an entire people group was changed because you shared the gospel with someone in your class? That'd be nuts. That'd be awesome. So we can go here and we can go there. And going there is really, really simple. You can get on a plane and you can go to the 1040 window. You can go there. It used to take missionaries like six months to get to the 1040 window. We can get anywhere in the world within like 72 hours. It's amazing. So guys, take advantage of challenge. Go to East Asia next summer. Go to Germany next summer and share the gospel with people who have never heard. People who have never even heard the name of Jesus. Take advantage of that. I have a friend. His name is Lincoln. Lincoln is from the eastern part of China. Uh, I I met Lincoln in August of my year over there. And uh, Lincoln's English was really bad. It was really bad, and it was so bad, I, I couldn't talk to him. Uh, so I, I said, man, I, I can't hang out with you, um, maybe later. April rolls around, he shoots me another text, like, hey, man, I'd love to hang out. We, we, we sit down with Lincoln, we share the gospel with him, because his English had gotten a little bit better. We share the gospel with him, and he says, Jesus, Jesus is cool, I'm Buddhist, though. I'm Buddhist, I was raised Buddhist, my family is Buddhist. I love Buddha, but Jesus seems like a, a pretty okay guy. Next time we meet with him a week later, he says, and I, I, love, I love Jesus. I want Jesus and Buddha. Can I do that? And we're like, oh, let's keep talking. Let's keep hanging out. Uh, and then the next week he came and he said to us, I believe that Jesus is God and Buddha is not. And guys, so many people all over the world, their, their refrain, that they're, what they're saying when they hear the gospel is, why have I never heard? Why has no one ever told me this? Why do I not know this name Jesus and this way to be saved for my sins. That's what they're saying. Why have I never heard? And right now, you can go. You can go to East Asia. You can share the gospel with people who have never heard. Uh, and then we can send. So we can go and we can send. We can send in two ways. We can send by giving and by praying. Guys, I want to point out, like, sending is not less spiritual than going. But in the same way, it should be no less sacrificial. As Christians, as believers, we should all be living a sacrificial lifestyle. Whether we're goers, whether we're senders, uh, whether we're giving our money, whether we're praying, we should all be living sacrificially. So we can give money. And guys, I know what you're thinking. I'm a poor college student. USC is expensive. Uh, I, I don't have any money. I don't have any money. I know you're all thinking that. But there are areas in all of our lives where we can cut back. 
For me, in college, it was burritos. I literally sat down with a girl. I'm, I was like addicted to burritos, three a week for sure. Um, I sat down for a support appointment, and she came to the, to the ask, and I'm like, I felt convicted by the amount of burritos that I'd been eating, and I told her, I'll give you $10 a month, and I'll, I'll give up one burrito for you. I, my burritos are expensive. I get guac. So. <laughs> I tell, I, I'll support you for $10 a month. Guys, there are areas in all of our lives where we can cut back. You can skip a meal. You can... Uh, not get a latte, get drip coffee. We'll talk more later about kind of all these things. Um, but guys, there are areas in all of our lives where we can cut back. So we can give, and then finally we can pray. If you can think of a decent excuse for these other three things, you cannot think of a good excuse to not pray. Every single one of us can be praying for the 1040 window. We can all be praying for unreached people groups right now. Guys, we have a free prayer map on that table over there. We have a book called Pray for the World. If you have no idea where to begin, Check out those resources uh, and come to part two. Guys, it, whether you consider yourself a goer or a sender, come to part two. Or even if you don't consider yourself either of those two things, come to part two. Your night will not be complete without it. So I know what you're all thinking. This is crazy. This is never going to get done, but I have really, really good news. The first piece of good news is that we are given the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, behold, I will be with you always to the end of the age. But all, we are also given this vision. John sees this in Revelation. Revelation 7, 7, 9. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Guys, it is going to get done. Jesus has purchased people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And he has invited you and I to play a part in getting them there. Guys, this is God's destination. This is God's destination. This is his purpose. This is his plan. And he is inviting you. He's inviting me to play a part in that. So when you guys got here, there was a, a card on your seat. Go ahead and pull that card out. On the front of that card, there's a list of verses. Some of them I talked about tonight. Some of them I didn't. Uh, when you go home, uh, read through those verses. Make sure I didn't lie to you. I didn't. But make sure I'm not a liar. Uh, make sure that God's heart is for the nations. And on the other side of that card, uh, it says, I commit myself to be a cross-cultural goer or a sacrificial sender. And in a minute, I'm going to pray. And I want to ask each and every one of you, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, consider taking a next step. No matter how small or how big that next step is, uh, know who you are. Know, know that, man, it's going to be really hard for me to pray for the nations tomorrow. Make that your next step. Uh, if your next step is reading those verses, that's great. If your next step is going to East Asia or Germany next summer uh, or, or just learning how to share the gospel, talk to one of your leaders, do that. No matter how small or how big that next step is, I want to pray for you. So go ahead and bow your heads, close your eyes. And if that's you, if you want to take a next step, no matter how small or how big that next step is, go ahead and raise your hand or raise that card high above your head so I can pray for you. No matter how small or how big, whether that is starting a prayer group on campus, making an international student friend, going overseas for a summer, a year, the rest of your life, giving or praying, raise your hand. Heavenly Father, thank you for every single person in this room. Thank you that you have given us the gospel and that you have invited us to take it to the nations. God, I, I pray that, that each and every one of us will have the joy uh, of standing before the throne and looking over and seeing someone who's there from an unreached people group because we decided to pray, because we decided to give, or because we decided to welcome a friend to America or to go to the 1040 window. God, I pray that we would all get the joy in, in, in doing that. God, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the gospel. In his name I pray. Amen.